Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Father, as we open your word now, we pray that we might hear your words. And uh, we thank you on this uh, Father's Day for the blessing of uh, godly men in our lives who have helped us and encouraged us and been a part of our lives. I thank you for this church family, and I thank you that we can be a part of a church family today. And so we uh, ask your blessing now in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, I think I'm just a little bit hot, Mike, maybe. I just uh, We had a little malfunction with the other microphone, so I was able to change that out. Appreciate our sound guys getting all this worked out for us, and uh, I think we're good now with my, uh, my lapel mic here. Okay. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dads. And you know, when I think of Father's Day, I always think of it in sort of larger terms. You know, there's Father's Day, and I'm a father. Uh, And I also think in terms of Grandfather's Day, I'm also a grandfather. And I know many of you are, and many of you uh, had the opportunity to know your grandfather. I didn't know my grandfathers. I didn't really, I knew one of them until I was about in first grade. And it was the weirdest thing. He was Welsh. And my family was Welsh, and so they, my mom, everybody always called him Tide, because that's Welsh for grandpa. And I was the youngest in the family, and I didn't talk a whole lot, and I guess everybody just kind of assumed. I, no one ever called him grandpa. I didn't really know he was my grandpa. Can you believe that? I knew he was somebody important in the family, you know? <laughs> but it was after he died, I, I came to my understanding that was my grandfather, you know? I just was Tide, you know? Um, but I knew him, and... Uh, uh, you know, I think of Father's Day in kind of big terms, fathers, grandfathers. I think of my church fathers. I think of men in the church, other Christian men, not only here at this church, but when we served at Bethesda, my time back at Grace Bible College, and just people I've had uh, relationships with over the years, other fellow, I think of Parker and Brother Ken Parker over there in Spokane, men who have just been an example to me. Uh, Jerry Horgan, Pastor Schutz, Pastor, you know, just, you go on. Uh, men who have been an example to me. So I, I like to think of Father's Day both as fathers and as godly men. As we think about Father's Day and celebrating Father's Day, and we also think of the men in our lives who have influenced us, I also think of the, the, the principle from Scripture that runs from start to finish, and that is the fatherhood of God. From the very beginning to the, to the end, this phrase is used throughout the Bible. The fatherhood of God. And when you stop and think of that concept, I mean, we're so used to saying it. You know, we, we pray, in, you know, to the Heavenly Father. We use the term all the time. It's one of those things that, you know, once in a while we just stop and really think what that means. That we can call God our Heavenly Father. Whatever your situation has been with your earthly father, I know some have not been the best, Others have been spectacular. Um, We have a Father in heaven. We have the Heavenly Father. And so today, we're going to combine a couple of thoughts here, if you don't mind. And that is, first of all, we have been doing a series of spiritual disciplines. And on Mother's Day, we continued that as well. And the thought for today had to do with the discipline of sharing the faith. I don't know if we think of that as a discipline, but is it something that we make a part of our lives, our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing our faith? 
And so as we think of sharing the faith, and we're going to bring that together with the concept of Father's Day and God as my Heavenly Father and your Heavenly Father, I want to bring these together. And I want us to, to begin by talking about what is the heart of God? What is the heart of God? What is God's heart as our Heavenly Father? as the creator of the universe. And there's a couple of passages I'd like you to look, look at in your Bibles with me. I'd like you to first look at 2 Peter chapter 3. In the context of 2 Peter, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, I know lots of you use your phones and tablets and stuff today, and that's great. If you, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, just let us know. We have Bibles we'd be glad to give you because we want everybody to have access to God's Word. In 2 Peter chapter 3, the, the context of this is uh, people questioning Peter, like they have done throughout church history. Well, you keep talking about the Lord's return. What's happened? It hasn't happened in our lifetime. It's the first generation. You know, and, and, and putting doubt upon God's word because Christ hasn't returned yet. Here we are over 2,000 years later, and the same question, the same doubt is often raised by people. Well, why do you keep talking about this? When are you going to give this up? It doesn't happen. And Peter says to them, verse 8, Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. God is not bound by time as we are. We are bound by time. We are, we, we are so related to time. God is not bound by time. And you can easily say, well, it's been two days since Christ died, if you want to look at it from that perspective. Two days ago, today is Sunday. Two days ago was Friday. From God's perspective, it's, it's irrelevant. He says, it's, it's been like, but he wants you, I want you to remember this, he says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you. And here's the heart of God. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone. I want you to notice that. Anyone, everyone. That the heart of God, that everyone to come to repentance. And he goes on to talk about the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heart of our God, his heart, God's heart is that nobody would perish. You know, Paul says something very similar. I got this passage up there too for you. 1 Timothy chapter 2. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, as he comes to the end of his life, and he, he, he is writing to a, a young man who's, who's a pastor, a, a leader, who's going to be picking up a lot of the ministry that, that Paul is going to leave to him. And he talks about the prayers and intercessions being made on behalf of people. Then in really verse 3, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants, who desires all men to be saved. Look at that. All people, and of course the men there is inclusive, men and women. His desire, God's desire, have you thought about that? God's desire is that all people would be saved, would receive forgiveness for sins and receive eternal life. That all would be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, And only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom and notice for all. Some throughout church history, some have taught what's called limited atonement, that Jesus only died for the elect. 
We don't believe that. The Bible says right there, he died for all. His desire is for all to come. His desire is that none would be lost. Friends, this is the heart of our Father. If you had a, you know, a, a decent relationship, a good relationship with your father, one of the things that, that you may have inherited as well is part of his heart. If he lived before you in such a way that, that was godly and that, was, that, that reflected God's word, that, that you hopefully have received, you know, none of us are perfect parents. You know, my kids did not have perfect parents, believe me. Um, uh, I did not have perfect parents. None of us have perfect parents. But we can be godly people. We can be people who are, who are growing, who are changing, who are learning, who are walking with the Lord. And that's what God wants of us. And if that's the case, and you, and you had a father, even with his imperfections and his human characters that we all have, we all know so well, but hopefully they have left for you their heart as well. You've inherited some of that heart. We are God's children. He is our Father. Isn't it therefore reasonable that we too have the heart of God? The heart of God. And God's heart is that nobody would be lost. That all would come to salvation. The Bible says in the Old Testament, in Ezekiel, that God, I, I take no delight in the death of the wicked. Now you could, you could translate that to mean um, that, that he's not happy with the wicked. Or you could understand it that God is not, he does not enjoy the wicked dying because they are lost if they reject him. He takes no delight in that. He delights in repentance, in people changing their mind about him. And about Old Testament, whatever in the Old Testament law, under the Gospels, in the day in the body of Christ, that, that we understand and receive and come to him. Is there an example in the Bible that we have of somebody who had that heart that we can look at and learn from. I want you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 9. This is a, an amazing passage of Scripture. It's one that we could contemplate and, and think about. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Rome. Paul has not been to Rome uh, in his missionary travels, he's not been there yet. He does not know a lot of these people. He knows them by other relationships. He knows some of them who have traveled back and forth. The church has been established. He's desiring. He tells them, I'm, I'm going to come and see you. But in this section here of chapter 9 through 11, this deep theological section on God's salvation history and also what's coming in the future and his relationship with his people Israel that he called in the Old Testament to be his own people. In the Old Testament, God calls Israel his son. You are my son. I have given birth to you. I have called you. Of all nations, I called you to be my son, the chosen people. For what purpose? Because God chose to love them for the purpose of salvation history, not just for them, but for the world, for salvation. Israel was God's son. I want you to notice the heart of the apostle here that reflects the heart of God. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were cut, cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, 
the people of Israel, the Israelites. He was an Israelite. Theirs is the adoption as sons. There is the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. Friends, here is a man who reflects the heart of God. This is a powerful passage of Scripture. You know, in any language, there are ways of, of saying things that, that for emphasis. And in the Greek language, in this particular case, one of the things Paul does here for emphasis is he uses these, these doublets. And he says it, and he says it again. And you'll notice in this passage how, how he does this. Truth I say, I'm not lying. I mean, it would be okay to say the truth I say, but he says it again for emphasis. The truth I say, friends, I am not lying. My conscience, but it's not just his conscience, it's the Holy Spirit, because he has been given the Holy Spirit, as you have if you know Christ the Savior. My conscience, the Holy Spirit bears testimony. The two agree, it's my conscience and God's conscience, if you were the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow, that would be enough. But he says, I have unceasing anguish. He's trying to, to, to convey to the Romans the depth of his feeling. It's serious. It's deep. It's genuine. It's real. And then he says which, something that, frankly, I, you know, I, I have to leave it there. I mean, he, Paul wrote this. And, he, and he's saying, I'm telling you the truth. And he says, I wish that I could be anathema. You've heard that word. We don't use it a lot. It's a literal Greek word, anathema. Anathema can mean cast away, destroyed. But it also in the Old Testament, in the language of the sacrifice, means given to God. There was a sacrifice that is presented on the altar and is destroyed by fire. It's consumed. It's, it's given to God. But the, the root idea here is this separation, this destruction. This giving up. Paul says, I would give up. I mean, I don't know how you could say this. Uh, could, could you or I say this? Would you really be willing to give up your eternal salvation for the sake of others? You know, he's telling us, I'm not lying. He feels so deeply. He has such a heart of God as the apostle. And I know all the apostles did. That, that he, he could say, I would, give, I would wish myself anathema from the Lord. It'd be one thing to be destroyed here on earth, to be one, but to be taken from the Lord. I mean, here's a man who knew what it was like to be lost. And he says, I would give it up. I would be taken from the Lord for what? Now, this is really interesting here. Paul says, for my brother's my own flesh. Again, you see this doublet? You see that emphasis? For my brothers, who are my own flesh. This is the only place that the Apostle Paul will use this term brothers for non-believers. This is the term in his Gospels reserved for the family of God, brothers and sisters, our family. But in this particular case, he uses it for unbelievers. They are his brothers according to the flesh. And frankly, I, I think that, that the word flesh should be keep there. It's, it's in the original. And the reason I think it should be, should be keep there, it should be kept there, 
and not, and not to say those of my own race, is because the word flesh in the book of Romans has an important significance. He uses it earlier in chapters 6 and 7, and he talks about, in fact, earlier than that, and he talks about the fact that, that we are all in the sinful flesh. It's a word that's used for more than just this and this. It's, there's, another word for, there's another word for body in the Greek. This particular word is used for really the essence of our earthly existence. Somehow, somewhere, sin resides in the flesh, Paul says. I can't tell you where. I can't tell you what. It's in the flesh. And Paul's identifying as a sinful human being with his brothers. My brothers who are also the flesh, like I'm of the flesh. We are all sinners Saved by grace, as we say. Listen, friends, I, I show that to you to just, that this is serious. Paul is doing everything he can in this passage here, in this little paragraph, to emphasize how deep his feeling is for his own people, that, that, that they would come to Christ. He says, they are the ones who brought Christ in the world. I have in my office, I got it out and looked at it this week. I don't have many mementos from my father and I, I have his Hebrew Bible. I'm not sure where he got it. He wasn't particularly religious. I'm not sure where he got this Bible. Um, if it came with him, well, no, because it was English and Hebrew. So he didn't learn English until so he came here. So he got it here in, in America. And in the back is this handwritten um, uh, it, 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 nation of leaders with no one to lead, to written to Israelites. It's quite fascinating. I'm, not, he didn't, I'm sure it's not original to him. He copied it from somewhere. And, and talks about his people, the Jewish people. And, uh, and the, the last phrase of it is, the last phrase of it is, come with awaken in your haughty pride. You know, return to God. And I, I, I he, he wasn't religious. He wasn't a Christian as far as I know, unless something happened before he died. Old nation of leaders with no one to lead. And this, I, this, this solidarity with his brothers, even though he wasn't particularly religious, Here's a man who has been steeped deep in Pharisaism. Here's a man who was so committed to the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that he was sure he was doing the right thing by killing Christians, by making them blaspheme, by persecuting them. He, he laid, they laid the garments of that wonderful young man, Stephen, at his feet. He was responsible for that murder, and it was a murder. And here's a man who, who God grabbed on the road to Damascus. He wasn't looking for God. God grabbed him and changed him from darkness to light. And, and he realized, and he had this, he realized what he had found. He realized what God had done for him. And, and he comes to the point where he says, if, if anybody knows this, I know this. You know, Paul tells us in he tells us his story. He tells us in Acts three times his story is given. And he says, listen, I'm, this is so deep. And I want I just this phrase here, really the heart of this, I think, is great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. You know what's interesting? If you put the next slide for me, Cliff, that in the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, there are two places. This is kind of interesting. Isaiah 53.10 those the Lord has rescued will return. He's talking about restoration. They will enter Zion with singing. Singing. It's always part of God's, uh, of God's people and coming back to him. Of singing. 
Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And notice, sorrow and sighing will flee away. In the, I don't mean to get too complicated here, but in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, it's called the Septuagint, that was Paul's working Bible. Yes, they know Hebrew. Yes, Hebrew was the synagogue tongue. But in their everyday work in Scripture, they used the Greek translation of the Bible. It's called the Septuagint. And in the Greek translation of the Bible, the two, the two words that are used there for sorrow and sighing are verbatim the words he uses here in Romans 9. He had to have this passage in mind. The next slide is another passage in Isaiah 51.11. You'll notice it's the exact statement. Isaiah uses this twice, the exact statement. And in both cases, he ends it with, and sorrow and sighing. One of the words is lupe. We get the word lupus from, a painful disease, lupus. That, that, that lupe and odine, that they will, be, they will vanish, they will run away. Really, they will run away is the Greek there. Paul had to have this passage in mind. He had to have. And is he looking forward to say, I have deep anguish and sorrow in my heart that my own people would realize, as the prophet Isaiah said, there is coming a day where finally that lupe and odine, that that unceasing anguish and sorrow is going to run away. But I wish it would happen now for them, that they they would come like me and receive Christ the Savior. Listen, friends, this is the heart of God that Paul uses here. Where did Paul get this heart? Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Where did Paul get this heart of God? He tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 1, 15. This, this man's telling the truth. <laughs> He's not, this is not just for, you know, to appeal to somebody. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Why did Christ come? To save sinners. Of whom I am the worst. I think the translations say I am the chief, which really means I am the first in line. If any, Listen, friends, if, if, if you think at times that, that, that you've done bad things or you see people have done bad, Paul says I am the worst. If you want a, you want a sinner, here I am. I'm number one. I'm the worst. I killed Christians. Father's Day, there were, there were, there were, I'm sure when Paul came to town around Judea and Damascus, I'm sure there were people there who said, hmm, huh, isn't that the guy that killed my father? I don't have a father today because of him. Isn't, isn't that the guy who put my father and mother in, isn't that the guy that killed my brother? He says he did this. He killed people. He made them blaspheme. And, and, and Paul says, hey, I'm the worst. I'm first in line. I am the chief. But listen, why was he saved? But for that very reason, it's because of that. That's what God was doing. This is our God. For that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. As Peter says, it is God's, he is waiting. Is, the reason it's been 2,000 years, friends, is that in this, in this last minutes I've been speaking, in the last 55 minutes since we began this service, somewhere in this world, someone has entered eternal life and received forgiveness for sins. Somebody. 
I'll guarantee that. Somebody around the world, maybe in our own city, maybe in their church service today, somebody's received Christ and passed from death to life because God is patient. And Paul says here, so that, so that his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Friends, this is the heart of God. Paul knew what it was to be lost. Paul knew what it was to deserve God's punishment. You talk about justice. We talk a lot about justice today. If anybody deserved justice, it was the man who was terrorizing the church, who was killing Christians, making them blaspheme, putting them in prison, breaking up families. He deserved justice. But instead, he was changed by God's grace. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. And after that encounter on the road to Damascus, his life was given to the Lord. Even though God said, Paul, here's your ministry. You're taking this message to the Gentile world. But you notice every place he went in the Gentile world, where's the first place he went in the book of Acts? Where'd he go? Synagogue. Why do you always go to the synagogue? His heart, his heart for his own people as well in that Gentile world. And he suffered for it. He was beaten. He was stoned and left for dead. He was thrown in prison. He bore the marks. He was, he was abused in every possible way. And then he says in Romans, my heart's desires for my brothers that they would come to Christ. He was in touch with the Lord daily and he allowed the Lord Jesus Christ to flow through him. Now listen, friends, I'm, I'm pretty well done with my message today. And I told you our topic today was sharing your faith. There are many things we could talk about, and we do, about ways to share your faith. Helps. I know it's not always easy. I'm just like you. I, you know, it's not always easy to open your mouth when you should. It's not always easy to find the right words. You come away thinking, why did I say that? Why didn't I say this? What? You know, um, there are techniques, there are ways there is training and there is helps and we are committed to that and we provide that. Kevin takes our young people to, to dare to share and it's been a tremendous ministry. A lot of our young people here have been through that. Right, shaking his head. And they've been trained in how to, how to share their faith and how to take that, that and, and, and lead people to Christ and they've done it. And we've offered classes here during our electives and we will continue to do that. But before you receive that help and that training and guidance and sharing, there is something we, I don't know that we can give you. I don't know that we can give you. We can help. And that is the heart of God. And that's why I'm talking about this this morning, friends. The techniques, the training, the helps have to be a part of the fact that we have a genuine desire to be like God. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, young guys getting married next week, every couple I meet with, I emphasize this. You know, it's the key to their marriage. Talked about this. Be imitators of God as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ Jesus gave himself for us and offered himself a, a sacrifice, a pleasing enrollment to God. If you go into a marriage and Derek, Derek and Olga are going to share their vows right here next, next week, one week away, 
One week away, you guys. Yeah, all right, Derek. Even getting some time off from Boeing for this. Can you imagine that? And, uh, and uh, they share their vows and make this commitment that they're going to imitate God in their relationship. You're supposed to imitate God. I'm supposed to imitate. Well, I'm supposed to be like my father. This is Father's Day. I'm supposed to be like my heavenly father. Obviously, there are some limitations there. I understand that. But we are to have the heart of God. We are to have genuine compassion for people and genuine concern. We bring a little child up here to dedicate to you. What is the most important thing, Gary and Rachel, of of all the wonderful things that, that Henry could accomplish in his life? He could be a famous athlete, famous musician, a politician. He could set the world. He could do all sorts of wonderful things. But what's the most important thing for you guys? That Henry receives forgiveness for sins and comes to Christ. Isn't that, you know, parents, those of you that have young children here, growing up through our children's program, into our youth program, what's your heart? What do you want most for them? That'd be great if they make the MBA. Good, they can come here in church and, and uh, put in the offering. That's great, you know. <laughs> be great if they are famous and all that. That's all fine. It'd be great if they have a great job and great career and buy a new house in Seattle and all these things. That's great. But when it all comes down to what do you, what do you, what's your heart for your kids? Your heart for your kids. These beautiful children that just went out here a little while ago. Our heart as a church family is that they come to Christ and receive forgiveness for sins and live for him. So that is why I conclude this morning with this. Yes, I'm I'm not here to talk this morning about ways to share your faith because we have to back up. Every one of us, this pastor included, this pastor included, I got a lot of things in, in my life that I'm interested in. I've got a lot of things vying for my attention and my resources. And I just, I needed to be reminded today. I needed to be reminded this Father's Day to have the heart of my Father, my Heavenly Father. And you share that gospel. And you, and you share that heart and you leave it in God's hands. People ask me all the time, did your father ever come to Christ? My mom did. My, mom, my spiritual heritage is my mom, that Welsh side of the family. That's my spiritual heritage. Did my dad ever come to Christ? You know what? Bishop Fulton Sheen, I, had a, I have a book in my office, Pastor Peterson somehow connected with Bishop Fulton Sheen in New York and started, I have the book with a letter in it from Bishop Fulton Sheen. And I remember our pastor, my pastor in this pulpit, it's back here then, in this pulpit back here behind his pulpit, I remember him telling us what Bishop Fulton Sheen said, never discount what God can do in the closing seconds of a person's life. That's right, amen. If they've heard the gospel... You will never know, but your testimony, your love, your compassion, your life, your heart for God could be used in the closing seconds of a person's life, and they are just as saved as the Apostle Paul, just like the thief on the cross, who didn't have much time to live out what he said, and the Lord said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. You know, I just want to conclude with this thought. This, you know, this has been quite a week again in the news. You know, we're all aware 
<laughs> we had the chuckle last night in the news. The news anchor said, you, you may have heard this, what happened in, South, in, in Carolina. Yeah, we all heard about it. Nine people in a church, small group, after other things had taken place and they were there for prayer meeting and Bible study. And after that, and this young man was welcomed into that prayer meeting as we would welcome people here and killed nine of them. Killed them. Shot them dead. Wounded others. Some of you probably have seen this. It's been amazing. There have been no, you know, the, they, they had the courtroom scene on, in the news, and the young man was on videotape, and he, but he, had, he faced the families of these people. These people who lost mothers, fathers, children, Christian, fellow Christians. And in that courtroom scene, they looked, they looked at him and they said things like this. Anthony Thompson, representing the family of Myra Thompson, who was killed, I forgive you. And my family forgives you. We would like you to take this opportunity to repent. Repent. Confess. Give your life to the one who matters the most, Christ. So he can change your ways no matter what happens to you, and you'll be okay. Do that, and you'll be better off than you are right now. The sister of DePayne Doctor, I'm a, I'm a work in progress, and I acknowledge, acknowledge I am very angry. But she taught me that we are the family that love built. We have no room for hate. So we have to forgive. I also thank God. Statement after statement like that. You can see the video. There's still going to be justice. There's, there can be forgiveness and justice. And there will be justice. And they're not saying, forget about it. Let them out. It's okay. But they are, what they are saying we forgive. And you know what's more important than anything? Friend, you repent. You sat there in prayer. We welcomed you in prayer meeting, they said. and You should repent and re- change your mind and receive Christ as your Savior. Can you imagine that? Love your enemies. Do good to those. This is the heart of God. To me, this is a, these are Christian people who are showing the heart of God. And I want, to, I want to ask you and myself today, friends, there's, there's our world, is there one person in your life that God has put on your heart, your head, your heart, and you keep thinking about? It could be a family member. could be a neighbor or a friend. Do you have the heart of God as Apostle Paul had and the Apostle Peter had? Are you willing to share your life, and to share the good news of salvation. And we think of the world at large, and in a world where we have enemies, and those trying to harm and hurt, how do we find that place where we also have the compassion and love like the apostles had, that even when we're opposed, punished, hurt, that we have the love of God, 
and we are willing to share the love of Jesus Christ. Let's close our service. I think that's a sign. It's time to go. You guys, music just flew off the stand. Good luck. <laughs> Come on up. Lead us in our closing song. Back up there. If you're here today and you don't know Christ the Savior, you might look at that and say, why do these people keep talking about blood? What is all this? Friends, this is the heart and soul of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is one God, there's one mediator between man and God, the man Christ Jesus, who was the God-man. And that empty cross up there that we keep in our sanctuary is, is simply a reminder to us every time we gather, we meet under the cross. There's a cross on top of our roof as well. A fountain filled with blood drawn from his veins. He died when his blood was shed on the cross. It's because he was giving his life, his perfect holy sacrifice to pay for my sin. And the blood ran from his body. And when I was the third grade, I plunged beneath that flood and I lost my guilty stain because he paid for it for me. I didn't understand all the thought, theology and doctrines, but I did know. No one had to tell me I was a sinner. And somebody explained to me at Camp Gilead that Christ died for my sins and I could receive his payment for my sins and God's justice against my sin was satisfied. And I plunged beneath that flood. And I invite you today, friends, take that plunge. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you receive forgiveness for sins and receive eternal life? It's free to you. It costs Christ everything. Say yes to God. Let's close in prayer. And as we do so, if you're here today and you were blessed to have Christian parents, grandparents, as, as Henry has, if, if you've had that blessing, friend, you, you have to have a cold heart if you don't take time today and just stop and thank God how blessed you are. And if you didn't have that blessing, you have that opportunity to be that blessing now to your family. And you thank God for that privilege. Father, we love you. We thank you and we praise your holy name.